SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listening to Scott Wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Boulevard, two-hour extravaganza. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel. So you take you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. Email me. Go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. And, of course, some phone calls as well, 844-843-6879. We'll get to those again, 844-843-6879. NBA last night. Uh, it was the uh, L.A. Clippers knocking off the Denver Nuggets as they overcome a seven-point fourth-quarter deficit, win at 113-107. We'll get to that. Boston beats Toronto, really just annihilated them from start to finish. They led by 30, led by 27, I think it was, 25 at the half. And, and really, Toronto, they cut it to 19-18 a couple of times second half, but that's as close as they would come. They, they never made any kind of serious run. So the Celtics take a 3-2 series lead. NHL last night, all Tampa Bay crushed the Islanders 8-2. Kucherov a goal, four assists. It was 4-1 after one, and that was done, uh, you know, ball game over there. Baseball highlights, only 11 games, strangely enough. Uh, Giants knocked off Arizona 4-2, ending Zach Allen's run of uh, allowing three earned runs or less in his first 23 starts. I mean, think about that. You know, everyone wants to go gaga over overrated Jacob DeGrom with the Mets. I mean, Here's a rookie that has allowed, second-year player that's allowed only three runs or less in 23 straight starts to begin his career. That is phenomenal. That, that really is. San Diego blanks Colorado won nothing but, uh, for some uh, dopey reason, Eric Hosmer tries to bunt in the first inning, breaks his finger. Manager Jace Tingler says he's going to be out two to six weeks. Uh, it's a pretty big gap there, but still it uh, looks like he's going to be out for a extended period of time. Uh, Toronto beats the Stankies 12-7, scoring 10 runs in the sixth. The Yanks now 5-14 and in their last 19 games, clinging on to the final playoff spot, believe it or not, uh, in the American League. Royals have lost seven in a row. Cleveland beat them 5-2. And, uh, you know, the uh, quietly surprised and quietly awful teams met again yesterday. It was Seattle beating Texas 6-4. You know, the Mariners have won six straight very quietly. And maybe even more quietly, the Texas Rangers have lost 18 of 21. They are 3 and 18 over the last 21 games. More coming up, baby, with the Bad Beats. On a Tuesday morning. It's got a lot of SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. scored yet in this series. He's just got a handful of minutes in the last two games. Finally able to hit one. Thomas, the rookie out of Iowa State. Here is Walker and got it off in time. It goes. 
in the first half. They'll take a quick peek to see if it was off in time, and it certainly is. TNT with the call NBA last night. Welcome back. Vegas, the bad beats on a uh, Tuesday morning, 844-843-6879. We'll open up the phones here in a little bit. First up, let me get a couple of things off my chest from the weekend. Again, Boston last night beats Toronto 111-89 to take a 3-2 series lead. Uh, you know, there were more technical fouls in this basketball game. Here's the deal with this stuff. I mean, it, it's incessant. It really is. You just can't watch these NBA games anymore. I mean, every single player on every single team, whether it's a starter, whether it's a bench guy, whether it's a garbage guy, they're all complaining. I mean, it is just over the top. Listen, someone's got to get with these guys and say, stop it already. You know, and unfortunately, we're not hearing it. You know, if we were hearing it and the we heard these guys yelling and screaming at the officials, you know, it would be a pretty good listen. It would be pretty interesting to hear these guys complain all the time and bitch and moan and you just say, hey, you suck and this, that, what have you, whatever they're telling the referees, right? I mean, that would be kind of fun after a while. <clears throat> but they're not even doing that. But you see them complain, and they complain, and they complain. They complain more than my wife, for goodness sakes. I mean, that's saying a lot. It, it, it's just, you know, listen, not every, full cow, uh, not every uh, play is going to have a foul called. And the NBA is by far, I don't even think it's close. I really don't. It is by far the toughest to officiate because they travel on every single play. I mean, every one of these European, you know, uh, steps, as they want to call it, they're, they're traveled. You're, they're taking three steps, you know, for the most part. You know, and no matter how you break it down, whether it's a hop, skip, and a jump, they're taking three steps. They're travels, but they can't call those. They're not allowed to call those. Every single play is a charge or it's a block, but they can't call it all the time. There's hand checking going on all over the place, but you can't call that all the time. I mean, it's it's just, it's tough. <clears throat> you know, why they decide to call some fouls sometimes and other times they don't, I don't know, but it's like holding in the NFL. You can call it in every single play if you wanted to, but they don't. So they call it sometimes and then they don't call it other times. But it's just seeing these players just complain over and over and over. The NBA's got to step in. Here's what they should do. They should make it like college. Make it two free throws, not one. You know, a technical foul in the NBA is you get one free throw. Big stinking deal. Eh, it's, it's one lousy point. Chances are they missed a free throw, so what's the difference? And these coaches and these players, they're not stupid. Nine times out of ten, they're not getting a technical foul when they have the basketball. Why would that? You know, nine times out of ten, it's because the guy wanted a charge or, or assuming he wanted a block, or he wanted a foul on his shot. So the opposing team already has the ball. So they're not losing possession. All it really is, is is one lousy free throw. So make it like college. Make it two free throws. Heck, I don't care. Make it three free throws. Or make it three shots to make two. Really make it a punishment to get a technical foul outside of you only get two tees before you're kicked out of a ball game. Listen, the NBA did it you know, a while back when they said anytime there's a uh, a fight, uh, or a scrum, or whatever the case may be on the court. Anybody that just leave the bench, even if it's one step over the line, you get suspended. They did a good job. Thank you, New York Knicks, Miami Heat from way back when, with Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning and the guys, when they would get into all those brawls. Uh, the NBA stepped in and said, you know what, we, we can't have this. It, it's idiotic. It's stupid. So we're suspending you. I didn't think they would, but they did because they didn't like it. For whatever reason, they said, you know what, we, we can't have this at all, and here's the best way 
We're not going to say maybe, coulda, woulda, shoulda get suspended. Nope. You leave the bench. I don't care if you throw a punch. I don't care if you leave the bench a foot. You're missing the next game. So they put their foot down. Same thing here. Time for the NBA to put their foot down. You cannot have 50 zillion technical fouls. You cannot have these officials just ripping the, uh, or you can't have these players just ripping the officials every single play. I mean, you, you just can't. You know, you got to miss calls. All right, that's, that's the bottom line. These guys are seven feet tall, all of them. The officials are five feet tall. I mean, they're looking up in the sky. And you, you're going to miss calls. You just are. I mean, these guys are super quick. You can't have the perfect officiated game. You just can't. And these NBA players got to realize that. I, I mean, listen, I, I, I get it. They're all, you know, uh, on edge because they've been living in this bubble now for a couple of months. I understand that. I appreciate that. But once you get on the court, listen, those officials have been living in the same bubble. You don't think they're going through all the angst that the players are going through? Sure they are. Absolutely. And they're not getting a gazillion dollars. You know, they're getting paid fairly well, but they're not getting paid, you know, like the NBA players are. At least the NBA players are still going to uh, the bank every other Friday with a seven-figure paycheck. That's not the case with the officials. So give those guys a little bit of leeway as well. You're going to have some missed calls. You just are, right? I mean, it's just stopping already with complaining over and over and over. These NBA players, they come across as big babies. They really do. It's one of the many reasons why people are tuning out the NBA. Forget about all the social unrest and all the protests and all this and all that and all the money they make. A lot of it has to do with just stop complaining, except it's a foul. And I got to tell you, for the most part, and I am the first to rip the officials. For the most part, the officials do a damn good job. You know, being an official myself, not quite at that level, close, but, you know, refing fifth, sixth grade girls basketball. I got to tell you, it's not easy. It really, you know, you'd be surprised. I can only imagine if it's difficult doing that, then I can only imagine what it's like, you know, in an NBA game when these guys are just super huge, super quick, super strong. So stop it with the complaining already. You know, this is why the Houston Rockets, and James Harden will never win an NBA championship together. This is why. And this is why Mike D'Antoni, terrific head coach, this is why he'll never win an NBA championship. Did you watch the Laker-Rocket game the other night? And this is why I call Jeff Van Gumby, Jeff Van Dumby. It's the first quarter. Right? Rockets lead the series one game to none after surprising L.A. in the uh, game number one. Chance to put a real stranglehold. I won't say win. I won't go that far. But a chance for the Rockets, you know, to put a real stranglehold, put the Lakers in a real hole going up two games to none if they can somehow or another win game two. And you knew the Lakers are going to come to play after, you know, basically pissing away game one, right? So early on, no big deal. Guys going back up and down the court. And it's a 10 to 9 first quarter. About six minutes in, six minutes and change. No big deal. Feeling out process. We, we all know that, right? So James Harden drives to the bucket. He gets fouled, uh, although they don't call the foul. And they call it a charge, not a block. So they wave off the bucket. And James Harden is crying already. And he's bitching. And he tells Mike D'Antoni, he gives the little finger, a little, little twirl finger means go to replay. So they actually challenge the play. They lose, which is beside the point. But they do lose. And it does stay as a charge. Offensive foul, James Harden, ball to the LA Lakers. So what's the problem, Scott? It's the first quarter. It's six minutes in. It's 10 to nine. It's not even like it's 10-2 and the Lakers are in the process of blowing this thing open. It's 10-9, first quarter, six minutes in. You get 
one challenge in the NBA. It's not like the NFL where if you get two and you get them both right, you actually get a third. No. NBA, you get one challenge. You get it right, you don't lose a timeout. You get it wrong, you lose a timeout. But you get one. There's dopey James Harden yelling and screaming, begging his head coach, Mike D'Antoni, to call the challenge. And I'm watching and I'm saying to myself, are you crazy? It's the first quarter. It's 10 to 9. Who cares if there was a bad call or not? You don't give up your last bullet in the first quarter. What are you, nuts? I'm sure Mike D'Antoni's going to pull him aside, right, and say, hey, listen, James, you know, you may have been fouled, brother, but, uh, you know, we can't use up our last bullet in the first quarter. So what happens? Does Mike D'Antoni do that? No. Mike D'Antoni's got to kiss ass because he knows where his bread is buttered, and that's with James Harden, and he uses a challenge, and they lose the challenge, which is really beside the point, but they do lose the challenge. And now the rest of the game, he doesn't have a challenge left. Four minutes left in the game, down eight. Lakers are in the process of blowing uh, them out, out, of, out of the arena. They called the foul. They didn't have the challenge, and the, the, the foul was, was held up because they didn't have a challenge because they used it in the first house. That's the Rock. That's why the Rock will never win in the game. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. He's actually grabbing the right ankle, Mike. It's crossed, it's crossed over. Up, oh, you're right. Off to such a sensational start. TNT with the call. Bengals and bad beats uh, from this past week at 844-843-6879. I'll open up the calls here uh, in, in a little bit as uh, Giannis did go down. He's questionable, whatever that means. Uh, listen, if he was 100%, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't say if he's going to play or not. And if you're Milwaukee, I, I tell you what, you know, listen, you got the guy in the contract for one more year. You're hoping to win a championship. You're down three games to one. No team has ever come back from a 3 nothing hole. Uh, you know, you barely won game four, uh, albeit without Giannis. So, you know, they're saying his ankle feels the same as it did before it did in game four, which, as I pointed out earlier, well, that, that's not exactly great. That's not comforting because he hurt his ankle in game four. So if it feels the same way, wouldn't that make you think, okay, then he's just as susceptible to doing something serious to that ankle? I mean, I, I wouldn't play him. And somewhere along the line, the Greek freaks people got to step in and say, you know what, it's just, it's just not smart. I appreciate a player trying to play. I, I do. But when you go down uh, to an injury twice in a short span, clearly something is not right. You know, two days of rest is not going to cut it with this guy. I wouldn't think. I'm no doctor, but I did play one. So, uh, you know, back in, uh, you know, fifth or sixth grade. So with, with the neighbor. 
um, you know, chances are he's going to hurt it again, you know, and chances are, even if he does play, you're not going to beat Miami at this point. That Miami team's a pretty good team. They really are. I, I tell you what, whether they play the Celtics or Toronto, this is not just a matchup issue for Milwaukee. It's, you know, Miami's got a pretty good team. It's a veteran. It's got a good little core of veteran players, younger players with hero. They got a bunch of guys that can step up and, and be the hero. If you will, one game, including Tyler hero. And the next game, it can be somebody else. I don't know if I can necessarily count on Jimmy Butler to be like the man, you know, when, when it really comes to crunch time, game in, game out, to win a best of seven series against the Celtics. But, you know, they're more than capable of beating Toronto, uh, beating Milwaukee with or without the Greek Freak. They've shown that already. So if, if you're Milwaukee and you care about this dude, then you don't play him. And if you're Giannis and, and you're worried about your future, whether the Bucks are going to trade him, entering the last year of his contract, or, you know, you're going to play your, you know, last year in Milwaukee next season, um, I, I just wouldn't, you know, again, if it's one injury, I get it, but it's the same injury to the same ankle. You roll it, you start tearing tendons. Now you're not only going to be out uh, for the rest of this year, but you'll be out all of next year. So, which is going to start literally in two months from now. So I, I, I wouldn't play. I, I just. But the heat without him for the most part in game four. So maybe these guys can rally the troops and do it again for, for game five. And if that's the case, then maybe bring it back for game six. But, you know, down three games to one. If it's game seven, okay, I get it. But you never want to give up. And I'm not asking the guys to give up. But you ought to be able to step up uh, and be able to win a game against, you know, a fourth seed of Miami Heat team. That in the regular season wasn't great. But they are playing good basketball. And, again, just to close out the Lakers-Rockets thoughts, you know, with the James Harden. Again, that is so stupid. You, you, you don't – if you had three, four challenges, okay. But you only have one. Why, why would you waste it in the first quarter? Why? And I tell you, Mike Breen mentioned that before they went to break. And they said, you know, you know, most coaches don't want to use a challenge in the first quarter, you know. And, uh, okay, they went to break, so I didn't expect uh, Van Dumby or Mark Jackson to say anything there. But when they come back from break, do they bring that back up again? Like, hey, listen, it's the first quarter. It's six minutes in the game, and you're going to use your only challenge? No, they did not. And then later on in the game, you know, when there was four minutes left, and the Lakers are leading at 109 to 101, and it was a block uh, on LeBron, called a foul, uh, and they couldn't challenge that. It, it was a clean block on a LeBron James shot. Clean block. They, they showed the replay. They said, nope, that's that's not a foul. But did Houston challenge it? Nope. Why? Because they didn't have the challenge left. Did uh, you know Van Dumby or Mark Jackson step up and say, mm, see, they used that challenge in the first quarter when it was 10 to freaking nine, six minutes in. This is why you don't use a challenge, Mike D'Antoni, in the first quarter. Did they say that? Because the rest of America was saying it. Rocket fans were certainly saying it. No, they didn't. Why? God forbid they should criticize a head coach. God forbid. <clears throat> and that's what they would be doing. And rightfully so. They would be criticizing Mike D'Antoni. And they weren't prepared to do that. Even though the entire world watching that game knew exactly what was going on. They pissed away a challenge because James Harden was acting like a baby. And if you're James Harden, again, this is why he won't win. Because he doesn't get the nuances of the game. And I've long stated this. You know, if you're a gambler, or a, you don't even have to be a gambler, but if you are, <clears throat> or just a sports fan, you know more about these games than the players do. You really do. You know, th there was a play the other day Team was up four, uh, up two, and they had a four and one fast break in the final ten seconds. I forget which game it was. I watched so many, uh, so many. Um, <clears throat> and do they pull the, the ball out and just kill the rest of the seven seconds? No, they drive to the bucket. Guy misses a bunny layup. 
the other team has a chance to win the basketball game. Now, they didn't, but they had that opportunity. Smart play, you pull the ball out. You throw the ball around. You got a three-on-one, four-on-one fast break. <clears throat> There's no way they can foul you. You run the final five, six seconds off the clock, game's over. But this mope decides to drive to the basket, and I think it was actually Chris Paul in the, in the Clippers, to tell you the truth, against Dallas, uh, I think. <clears throat> but they they don't know like the nuances of the game. Pull the ball out. What what would he do going for a layup there? I know he should be able to make a layup, but you know what? Sometimes guys miss. You pull the ball out, you throw the ball around for a couple seconds, and the game's over. James Harden. I mean, you've been in the league for how long? You're gonna piss away your only challenge in the first quarter of a of a, of a game that you know is gonna go down to the wire. It's dumb. Just dumb. <clears throat> I'll tell you what else is dumb. What's the black cloud? I'll tell you what. We did it again. We did it again. Just amazing. I'm doing some things around the house Saturday. It's picking up a, uh, a, a, a splitter at my dad's house that if I have time, I'll get into here. And because I didn't really watch a whole heck of a lot Saturday afternoon. I get on the computer and I see headlines. Djokovic out at U.S. Open. I'm like, what? No, no, this has got to be a joke or something, right? There's no way. Now, he he, he didn't lose to a 20th-ranked player. No, I, I think the guy was 20th ranked. No way. No, no, no freaking way. So then I log on, you know, and I hit the story, and I see he got disqualified for slamming a ball against the back wall, which unfortunately hit a woman who was uh, one of the lines uh, ball, ball girls. And I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. I mean, this guy had an absolute cakewalk, just an absolute cakewalk to get to the U.S. Open finals. Now, maybe he wouldn't have won. Chances are he would have. But at that point, you could have hedged. We love Djokovic from the beginning, right? I told you, at minus 175, who was going to beat him? There was no Rafael Nadal. There, there's no Roger Federer. I gave you the numbers on the amount of players that have won majors in the last literally almost 20 years. Eight. Eight different guys in the last 17 years have won majors, aside from the big three. And, and the other two aren't part of this. I mean, and, and a couple of those, most of those guys are all retired now. I mean, it was just an absolute cakewalk. And then even when you looked at the draw and you said, all right, maybe this guy can do it, maybe this guy can do it, they were all on the other half of the draw, like the number two and three seed are all on the other half of the draw. So he's not facing those guys until they get to the finals. So the best guy he was facing was the number four seed. I mean, and just, there's just no way. The drop down, you know, when you eliminate Federer and Nadal, you're really going down to the sixth seed. So th there is just no way in the world Djokovic was not getting to the U.S. Open finals until we put our shekels on him. Until he decides to slam a ball he lost the game. It, it wasn't even a set. If you're not familiar with the scoring, there's points, and then there's games, and then you got to win six games for the most part, unless there's a tiebreaker, to win the set. So he's down six to five. He's pissed off he lost the game. Set's not over. It's the first set, by the way. It's not the second or third. He's not falling down two sets to one. You know, it's not the, the, the game-ending set that this guy would have beat him. It's, it's the first set. He dropped the first set of his first game the other day, or a second game, and rallied to win the next three. He's so mad, 
He takes the ball, slams it against the back wall. But unfortunately, there was this woman there that was standing there and it clunked her in the neck. Down she went like a, uh, you know, a, a load of bricks. And Djokovic gets kicked out, disqualified. I mean, first of all, <clears throat> if you're NBC, you're not happy, right? I, I mean, it, it, they didn't have Federer and, and, uh, and Nadal to begin with. Now they don't have Djokovic. Now they don't have anybody. I mean, they have Serena Williams on the women's side. That is it. If she loses, then forget about it. You talk about nobody watching and nobody caring. That This will be just the most insignificant major that there's been in, in a long, 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 long time. All right, so strike number one, NBC's pissed off. Strike number two, you know, the tennis world, uh, I understand what the rules are. The rules do clearly say that if you slam a ball and it hits a lines person, you get ejected. I get that. But you know what? You know, where are the rules for the lines person that says, hey, listen, duck. You know, part of your job is paying attention, right? I mean, isn't that the idea for a lines person, a ball boy? Aren't you supposed to be paying attention? So, you know, as he's slamming the ball against the back wall and it's hitting her square in the neck, I mean, don't you duck? Don't you put up an arm? Don't you, like, fade, twist an ankle? You know, move sideways, go left, right? I mean, move. I mean, she just... It's her responsibility. And if she wouldn't have fallen down and made it like she was shot, I mean, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been an ejection because they waited, like, 10 minutes before they finally came to the conclusion, listen, what are we going to do? You know what? We're just gonna we're gonna have to eject you. So I mean, but you know, somewhere along the line, I just wonder if it wasn't made such a big deal had he not gotten ejected. But he did, and it's in the books. And the Wetzel Black Cloud strikes again. Wow, that sucks. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. High ball, sent out towards deep right center field. Back goes Piscotti at the wall. That ball should be gone. It's above the wall. And Tatis will touch them all. Fernando Tatis Jr. connects on his 14th home run of the year. He'll take his time getting around as the Padres have added to their lead on top five to nothing. Fernando Tatis Jr. This one is in the air to deep left center field. Back goes Loriano looking up. It's gone. Manny Machado taking it out of the yard. The Padres go back to back. Tatis Jr. and now Machado. And the Padres take a 6-0 lead in Oakland. Padres Radio Network from this uh, past weekend. Until 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 844-843-6879. Again, 843-6879. A couple of tidbits here. Start with some NFL stuff. Uh, How about the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, winning the, I suppose, if you want to call that, the uh, Javion Clowney sweepstakes? 
I only say that just because uh, probably the most overrated player in the NFL eventually did sign. It's been a long time. A lot of rumors, supposedly wanting $20 million a year, then being offered supposedly $15 million from a bunch of teams that he didn't want. And the Saints and Baltimore Ravens over the weekend tried to finagle it where they would be able to get him ultimately, have another team sign him, give him a signing bonus, which would not count against the cap, and then he would only have, a, you know, I will just say a couple of million dollars of actual salary because everything's going to the bonus money, which team A would sign and pay. And then that team A would trade them to the Saints and the Saints in exchange would give team A a second round draft choice. Uh, this way that Saints with no salary cap space can have JV on clouded because, again, the signing bonus would accompany all the salary cap space with the original team. So NFL apparently said, uh, no, you can't do that. And I guess the Baltimore Ravens were looking to do the same thing. Don't know who the Ravens were looking to trade with, but with Saints, it supposedly was the Cleveland Browns. I do remember, what was the trade a couple of years ago where the Browns did that? Um, I, I want to say it was like three years ago when they took on a salary of a player. It wasn't the RG3 move. But this was done before, and in exchange, they got a second-round uh, second draft choice for taking on the salary of this guy. I, I forget. I meant to look it up, but I, I forgot. So it has been done before. I, I know it with the Browns. Literally three years ago, I want to say. And I, I guess the NFL said, nope, you can't do it. That, that circumvents the salary cap. So Saints, you can't do it. Baltimore Ravens can't do it. So that went out the window, and that left Tennessee, who apparently gave him $12 bucks. Supposedly, he was offered more from other clubs that he didn't want to join. I find that hard to believe. I really do. Uh, but ultimately, because, you know, he didn't join the New Orleans. He still could have signed with the Saints for less money, you know, as much as the Saints had salary cap wise, right? That uh, They could have done that, but they said no. Um, so he ends up going to Tennessee. Shrewd move, I suppose, for the Titans as they get, uh, you know, a halfway decent play. For 12 million bucks, I'll take him on a one year contract, especially because. One-year deal, you know, you're not locking in for, you know, $15 million over the next four years with, with $35, $40 million guaranteed. I mean, you know, um, so I, I'm surprised that's all he got, but I'm not surprised because his numbers just aren't any good. You know, the, you know, listen, I don't care when he was drafted, where he was drafted, but the production on the field, I know defensive end, you don't get that, you know, many tackles. I get that, but he averages a couple of tackles a game. He averages less than one sack a game. He's never had double digits in sacks. His most is nine. He only had three last year for Seattle. You know, I mean, so, you know, this Javion Clowney, I get it. You know what? He beat the crap out of the Michigan running back, uh, you know, in the uh, Holiday Bowl or whatever it was there. Has he been a great NFL player? No, he has not. No, he has not. His numbers just don't say give this guy $15, 20000000 million a year. So. You know, hopefully they get a motivated JV on Clowney. I really wonder. I mean, it's the, the last week before the season starts. You know, Tennessee's head coach Mike Rabel said that he expects him to play a little bit in Monday's season opener against Denver. So he's got one, you know, little extra day to practice uh, because they play Monday night, not Sunday. But, you know, you get a guy that holds out that long, you just wonder if he really is motivated to play. I, I, I would not. I, I wouldn't want him on my football team. Not that he's a bad guy. Um, and he's really not, you know, he hasn't missed that many games. He's always hurt. Injury report, I mean, there's JV on Clowney every single game. Questionable, doubtful, probable, perhaps, maybe, woulda, coulda. But when you actually look at the number of games he's played outside of one year, he has played in most of those games. He really has, despite him being injured all the time. 
So, but I want would I want him on my football team just because uh, his production and pay that kind of money and, and take up that much salary cap space? No, I would not. You know, he's the classic example. He's like an NBA player. He's like a bench guy. You know, he thinks he's better than he is. He wants to be treated like a super, super, superstar, and the numbers just just don't bear that out. They, they just don't. I mean, three sacks last year. Never had 10 for his career. I mean, somewhere along the line, you know, you got to find a way to get 10 sacks. You're playing against teams that throw the football literally, literally 50 times a game, and you're getting less than one sack. I mean, you're, you're getting a quarterback opportunity to make a tackle 50 times, 40 to 50 times, right, every single game for the most part, and you're not getting one a game? Really? When you start breaking down the numbers of these sacks, I mean, it really is amazing. You know, if a guy gets 12, 13, 14 sacks, he's the greatest thing in the world. He's I, I Even if it's one sack a game, you know, I got a quarterback that's throwing the football. Think about this, 50 times. I got to get one out of 50 chance to get this guy. One time the defensive backs do a pretty good job. One time the quarterback goes left when he should have gone right. One time when he's just kind of scrambling around and you're able to get him. One time where he actually, God forbid, actually should beat uh, the left tackle and, and, and get a real legitimate sack. you got 50 opportunities, 40 to 50 a game, and all you need to do is click on one, one. And for that, you'll make yourself 15, 20 million bucks. You get 16 sacks on the season and you will make yourself $15 million, and he can't even do that. And yet, he thinks he's the greatest thing in the world. He gets three sacks last year. Nah, not doing it. You want to you sign for me for $5 million? $6 million maybe? You know, I'll be kind and go $7 million? Okay. But if I had a dollar for every time I watched a JV on Cloud, a Houston Texans or Seattle Seagirls team play, and I said, oh, that's right, Clowney's on this team. You don't remember. Because he makes zero impact. Zero impact. So I'm not giving him that kind of money. Definitely not. Uh, last hurrah for Bill Belichick, perhaps. Uh, you know, listen, we're all trying to make stories here. So there was a report out there. I guess there's some Vegas odds maker. Uh, honestly, I don't know who I'd give him credit. But I guess he posted an odd on whether Belichick would be coaching next year. And some for some reason or another, they thought the chances were better that he would not be than than he would be. I, I I find that hard to believe. Although, listen, he is 68. He looks good for 68. I got to tell you, for a guy that's gone through the the uh, uh, the weathering the storm here with uh, all this nonsense that's gone up in New England with all the deflate gates and belly gate and spy gate and this gate and you know uh, massage gate, you name it, they they've had it. You know, and winning the championships and having seasons go extra long and all the pressures involved in winning championships and everything else. For a guy who's 68, I got to tell you, if I looked that good at 68, I'd be pretty happy. So, you know, I'll give him a lot of credit from that standpoint. And, and you know, he is 68. Somewhere along the line, you want to hop off the boat and just be able to enjoy life. But, you know, maybe this is him enjoying life, though. You know, so I, I don't know if that's – I have no insight into Bill Belichick. All I'll tell you is he is 68, so would it shock me if he decided to walk away? You know, we've heard him say in these different features that he doesn't want to be, uh, you know, a Marv Levy and coach in his 70s. But, you know, he's not that far away. So when he was asked about it on WEI yesterday, he said, well, we're just focused on Miami. Yeah, I'm just trying to get ready for Miami. I don't know. Long term for me would be on Sunday. Uh, typical Belichick. <laughs> you know, typical Bill Belichick. But I don't think this is going to be his last year. You know, he's he's got a chance uh, with Cam Newton. He does seem to love Cam. I mean, every time you turn around, you're reading a great quote about how great Cam is. I don't know if that's just fodder from Belichick or maybe he thinks uh, Cam can lead him to the promised land again. 
Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, he's in a double win situation. Either Cam is good or Cam is awful, and he gets a top five pick, and maybe he could parlay that into one of these quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks that are coming out of the draft uh, next year. So his future is bright there. I, you know, I, who knows? Who knows what Belichick? Anybody, anybody that says they have an insight into what Bill Belichick is thinking is just kidding themselves. Just, I mean, you could talk to Belichick yourself like e, I, I did yesterday and not be able to figure out. I mean, what, what does that mean? I don't know. Long term would be Sunday. So what kind of insight did you get out of that? So chances are he'll be around. But, you know, it's it's the Patriots. And isn't it funny, you know, with Cam? Every time you turn around, there's some goofy Cam Newton story. Yeah, nothing good, bad, and different. Just, you know, Belichick loves him. Belichick hates him. Julian Edelman talking about how great he is and new combination and no Brady. It's now Newton. I mean, every time you turn around, there's another Cam Newton New England Patriots story. I mean, he has gotten more publicity and more, more notoriety and more just, just being in the news for doing absolutely nothing with New England uh, in a month than he had, you know, his entire career with the Carolina Panthers outside of the uh, the Super Bowl year. I mean, I know he had some Superman and all that other stuff, but I mean, just for just doing really nothing, just being in a Patriot uniform, you know, welcome to the real world. That's the difference that being in Carolina, no offense, versus being in a big market like Boston. Welcome to the real world. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and the, and the uh, Arizona Cardinals are apparently close to uh, getting a, a, an extension for the wide receiver, who, oh, by the way, happens to be in the middle of a five-year, $81 million deal. So he's locked in for two more years. Now, they make the trade with Houston this offseason, knowing that he's a little disgruntled with his contract, which, you know, listen, is $12.5 million this year and $13.5 million next year. He's not exactly making chump change. But you know what? They knew that going in, so apparently they're willing to negotiate a new contract with this guy. I wouldn't do it. I I, I just wouldn't do it. I, I don't know. I have never, ever, ever been a DeAndre Hopkins fan. I think he's overrated. I, I think he disappears in big-time games. Um, he's a product of not necessarily the system, but he is, to me, you need reasons why the Texans never won over the years. And to me, he's part of that reason. You know, he's he was one of the main guys. So you don't go to the backup tight end. You don't go to the backup running back. You don't go to the backup linebacker. You go to the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers, the guys who have the most impact on their games. And just every single big-time spot, Houston failed. Now, I'd love to be able to give you numbers that back up my statement saying, listen, look at those numbers. He, he stinks. But I can't do that. The numbers are good. 104 receptions last year, 115 the year before that, 96 the year before that. Uh, only 78 the year before that, but 111 the year before that. Touchdowns, you know, not bad. 11-4, uh, the one bad year in 2016. 13-11, tailed off a little bit seven last year, but I'll, I'll give him a, you know, uh, a pause for that one. Uh, 1,100, 1,500, 1,300, 1,500, 1,200 yards receiving. So the numbers are there. The, the, the numbers are there. Postseason, you know, they're there or they're not there. It's either hit or miss with him. You know, a couple postseason games, he was terrific, like last year, numbers-wise. Uh, other postseason games, he's disappeared. So I won't even go to that. I, I'll just go to I've seen the Houston Texans fail enough to know the guy disappears in these big spots. I would not want him on my football team. Would not. I am one of the few guys, I guess, that defended Houston with that trade. You know, could they have gotten more? I suppose. You know, but, you know, did I think that the Houston Texans, you know, downgraded their roster by getting rid of a, of a, DeAndre Hopkins, no, I did not. Nope, I just, he's just never there. He's just never there in a big-time spot. You know, where was he last year when Houston was pissing away a two-touchdown-plus lead? No, nowhere to be found.
Where was he when Houston was, was losing all the other playoff games? Nowhere to be found. You know, it's just, he's just one of those guys. He gets the numbers because they throw the football 50 times a game. But is he going to help my team win a championship? No, he's not. So I wouldn't want him. How about the Bears gaming Mitch Trubisky, the starting quarterback this weekend? Wow. That's a surprise. That really is a surprise. I got to tell you, did not expect that. I did, though, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. My big was a bad beat to close the shop next. But some winners and stories that we have time. Didn't have time to get me on this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. On this Tuesday morning, take you right up until the top of the hour. I'm going to leave you with a couple of stories here, and then we'll give you a winner. We've been on uh, fire. I tell you what, I was like perfect yesterday. I hit everything. I don't think there was one game we missed when I give out my my plays, and I give out pre-picks on the website, oppositepicks.com. We gave out Navy. We gave out over Navy. Easy winner. Excuse me, a BYU. uh, Easy winner over Navy. Uh, we gave out the Celtics as our best play. We gave out uh, in baseball. We gave out Philadelphia. He got a little lucky, but I figured with Wheeler facing the Mets, he'd be all pumped up. He's pitched well this year. Uh, you know, they end up winning 9-8. Hockey, we gave out uh, Tampa Bay. Did give out the under. That was one one little loser there. But otherwise, it is just up and down the board, nothing but winners. It was a beautiful thing. So uh, tonight, we're going to go with the Lakers laying the five. I'm surprised the line has dropped, I, I must say. And I don't like playing into a faulty line. And I do think that's a faulty line. And I'm very strange, very surprised about why that would go down. I, I think game two was a misleading close game. Uh, the Lakers were leading that by double digits most of the way. They blew them out in the first quarter. They took the foot off the pedal a little bit, and Houston, to their credit, made a game of it. But ultimately, I, I, I like the Lakers in the series. I still just buy into LeBron, and I don't think that the Rocket team uh, has what it takes to upset them. So you give me the Lakers laying five in a, in a you know third game of a 1-1 series game. Oh, yeah, yeah give me the Lakers tonight for sure. All right, some stories we didn't have time uh, to get to real quickly. Giants uh, looking to move on from DeAndre Baker, former first-round pick from just a couple of years ago, thanks to uh, facing, I don't, I don't know, armed robbery charges. Uh, Eagles announced Jason Peter will start a left tackle after Andre Dillard's season-ending injury. How about Southern Miss's college football coach, Jay Hobson, resigning after one game? Well, you talk about more to a store that meets the eye. Oh, yeah. There's more to that store that meets the eye for sure. So we'll keep an eye on that. Hey, great job by the phone callers, the emailers, and the tweeters. Uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow. Best of luck playing with the boys in Vegas and FanDuel. And uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Scott Wetzel, Vegas, and that
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.